Hello and welcome to episode one of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm Ian Campbell. And I'm Tony Ziliani. In this podcast, we're here to talk about fantasy football. We're two young guys, love talking football all day, every day. We're here to help you set your lineup with everything from player versus player start opinions to ranking a guy as an RB1, RB2, wide receiver 2, flex, you name it, we got it. We're hoping that we can answer any questions you have. We'll provide an email at the end of this podcast for you to send in your questions. Looking to have some future guests on the show, some of our own friends, some very opinionated, passionate people, maybe even some, some crazy hot takes. Hopefully you can enjoy this, and we can make this a weekly thing. Today we're going to start off by recapping Thursday Night Football. The Eagles went up 10-7 at the half, but the Giants roared back, making it 21-10 heading into the fourth. The Giants, they made some costly mistakes late in the fourth quarter. Evan Ingram dropped a third and eight pass, the Giants 45, which would have set them up in field goal range. Wentz then proceeded to go down the field on the next possession, capping off a fourth quarter comeback with an 18-yard pass to Boston Scott for the touchdown. Daniel Jones then fumbled the ball in the ensuing drive, winning the game for the Eagles. Yeah, when you look at it from the Eagles, the main player on this team was Boston Scott. I mean, he really stepped up during Miles Sanders' absence, again with his injury, finishing with 18.2 fantasy points, especially that winning touchdown he had, which is a really nice throw by Carson Wentz on the run on to the right pocket. And he contributed 46 yards on 10 carries, and especially being down for half the game, for most of the game in the second half. I mean, he had some pretty good time. Three catches also with 46 yards plus that touchdown. He really made himself for running back two or even a flex spot when Sanders is out for that injury. A player that really stood out to me was uh, Travis Fulgham. He truly has established himself in this offense. He had five catches for 73 yards, good for 12.3 fantasy points on the week. This is now his third straight game with 10 or more targets. After coming back this week, Deshaun Jackson is now injured again, so Fulgham should continue to see volume, even with Alshon Jeffrey returning. He has a high fantasy ceiling going forward, with potential wide receiver two abilities, depending on lineup and league depth. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I mean, in some of my leagues, even I have him playing as a flex spot, and even in my 20-man league, he's my wide receiver too, because John Brown is out. But really, Carson Wentz balled out. I mean, the dude was amazing. Three out of the past four weeks, 20-plus 20 20 fantasy points, including the last two over 25. I mean, he's really rushing amazing. Like, dude's looking like he was his rookie year when he went 13-3. Uh, finished with five rushing, t- rushing touchdowns in the last six games. I mean, really, it's just his presence outside of the pocket that I think is better than throwing the ball. Really balled out. Even without Lane Johnson for part of the game as right tackle, Wentz has been improving every week. While 
while his interceptions are looking pretty bad, he's still a solid fantasy starter going forward. I'd say quarterback 12 to 14 in that range. Uh, some interesting nuggets before we move on to the Giants. The receiving core of the Eagles. Man, it is banged up. Richard Rodgers, their third string tight end. Jeez. Eight targets, six catches, 85 yards. I mean, the man had a solid game, but I don't think if you asked a single person at the start of the season who would be the leading fantasy point tight end for the Eagles in a particular game, I don't think a single person would answer Richard Rodgers. Wouldn't be me, not in 100 years. Goddard should be back in the next week or two, so those lacking a tight end may want to look to pick him up as a solid stash on your bench or IR slot. When we talk about the Giants, it's pretty tough. I mean, I, there's not much to say about them. But the but Daniel Jones is there. 20 for 30, 187 passing yards, two touchdowns. Even though he did have a pick and a fumble, he still came out 20.68 fantasy points, more than he was projected. Looked great in the second half, especially with that 80-yard rush, rush, which Tariff got him. But man, it's always tough to see. <laughs> I mean, it was good. Uh, going forward into the next weeks, I, I wouldn't start him in any league unless you're in a 16-man league, 18, or even 20. Uh, going off the wide receivers that are with him, Sterling Shepard had an amazing flex position night last night. 6 for 69 with a touchdown, 8 targets, racking up 17.9 fantasy points. Golden Tate was 1 for 39 with a touchdown in the first drive for the Giants, 10.9 fantasy points. Don't really expect much much for him. I mean, he was good in a time that he was in Detroit, but I mean, he had Matthew Stafford, Marvin Jones, and then Kenny Galladay. I don't really see him fitting much in here into the Giants' offense. So I really wouldn't start him in any of your league. And Darius Slane really do, didn't do too much last night. 2 for 23, 4 targets, 4.3 fantasy points. Even though he was shadowed, by his man, Darius Slay, which, lucky enough, Darius Slay, Darius Slay. Ha-ha. I just want to say, Darius Slay, the Lions, the Lions have just screwed up so much. They have, yeah. I mean, hiring Patricia creates a rift with Darius Slay, and they lose one of the best corners in the game. That was a big loss for them, and it showed on a night like tonight. I mean, Darius Slayton has been a real burner. He's had an up-and-down season, yes, but yeah. just the way that that Slay was able to to just lock him up. I mean, he locked him up. And yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you're not really going to see much, especially with Shepard back. Slay might not get that main uh, defensive back one against matchup, but you should still see Darius Slay to be that flex position spot later on in the future. And finally, last and probably least, Evan Ingram. What a bum. Evan Ingram. Sucks. I don't know what to say about this guy. Yes, he had 10.9 fantasy points. Nine targets, six catches, 46 yards. He also had two carries for three yards. Showed Joe Judge, the Giants offense, was definitely trying to get him involved as many ways as possible. Especially in the rushing. You know, they're trying to incorporate him every chance they get. It just really hasn't been working out. If you have him on your team, just drop him. Honestly, he's he's not worth it. I mean, Engram, 
they're at the 45. It's third and eight. Jones throws Incredible 20 pass. yard. It's an it's a beautiful. It's a dot. It looked like a corner route out of Madden. <laughs> the man just was wide open. I'm pretty sure it was. And just drops it. It's just right in and he it wasn't like it, was if, it hit was, him in the chest. No, it was it, it was, was just out in front of him. Yeah. He just dropped it. It was it was the a hands. Fi- it was a fingertip grab. But we saw Evan last year perform as a top five tight end. So I, I really don't know what's going on this year. If it is the new coach in Judge, but I mean he's he's just dropping, honestly. He's not worth it. I, I don't see I don't see him as a as a reliable player. I feel like no. the tight end position is something that Sketchy you want year. a guy yeah. you want a guy that's just gonna get you even just eight a week. If he can just give I you agree. like between seven points and twelve points every single week, I would take that. He he hasn't been doing that though. I mean it's it's really sketchy for him. But we we had to look at who's playing this week and there are a lot of people out this week. We have Joe Mixon who's out, Raheem Mostert out, Christian McCaffrey still on the IR. He he might not play this week, I wouldn't be I wouldn't expect him to. But looking next week he has been getting a little bit of reps in practice, so we should see him play week nine. Uh surprising that just I got I found out Aaron Jones Apparently, he's questionable this week to play against Houston. He's dealing with a calf injury on Thursday during practice. That limited him. Uh, not too much detail on that, but we'll see going forth. And again, Michael Thomas, sad, but he's out for for the, for the fifth week. And, I mean, it's sad. Uh, just go back to Mixon. Uh, so, he got a foot injury over the weekend. Did not practice on Wednesday. Also did not practice on Thursday. Ended up sitting out the early portion of Friday's practice and was ruled out about an hour after he was decided to sit out of Friday's practice by head coach Zach Taylor. If you have Giovanni Bernard on in the free agent column, I'd definitely look at picking him up this week. If not, then... I would say a low, very low trade for him. You know, if you're if you're a struggling team, I'd say definitely go get him for this week if you're running back position or even flex is kind of is kind of shaky. But I'd say definitely go for him. I would say uh, you definitely don't want to trade for a guy like this. This guy, I I look at guys that have actually burned some of my fantasy teams this year. So week one, Boston Scott projected about fifteen fantasy points. Did absolutely nothing in. Uh, in reserve for uh, reserve for Miles Sanders, the second guy would be the number one instance of this that I have seen in a long time. Alexander Madison last Oof. week. He, I mean, they were in they were in negative game script, and he just couldn't get enough touches. They couldn't get him going. Kirk Cousins also played like complete trash. I mean, we'll get into that later on, but he just didn't look himself. Against a shaky Atlanta defense that has been shaky all year, he just didn't look him, look himself. Maybe it's the new coach for Atlanta, but they but their defense played extremely incredible. Uh, yeah. To get back to McCaffrey, McCaffrey is uh, at this point looking at a uh, about another two weeks. That's what they're looking at because he's playing. They play this Thursday. Of uh of week eight, so 
against Atlanta, and Atlanta, as we know, yeah, yes, they had a good week last week, but they've been Back struggling. Yeah, and so I think they feel, especially with the way Mike Davis has been playing, oh, that they can get by. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a short week for the Panthers, especially since they're playing New Orleans this week. Uh, might not look too good for them, but don't expect McCaffrey to play this week, especially or maybe even next week at best. On to Le'Veon Bell, one of our most anticipated topics of tonight. So, this has been a hot topic. Tony and I have been debating this each day on the podcast, messaging each other. We just we cannot seem to agree on Mr. Le'Veon Bell. In my opinion, what I, what do I think is going to happen with Le'Veon? I think this week in the short term I think he should be getting about 8 to 12 touches, whether that is through the air or on the ground. Daryl Williams, their backup running back, before Le'Veon Bell came in, was getting about 10 touches a week. So I would say he's going to take all of Daryl Williams' touches, plus maybe 3 to 4 more from Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think in the short term, he doesn't know the pass blocking schemes. He's not he's not big into their playbook. I mean, he just signed last week. week. Yep. And so, it's a short week because they played Monday night. He still had to go through COVID testing before he could officially practice. go into practice, which I believe ended Tuesday. Yes. So, I think Edwards-Alaire will definitely be the featured back. Maybe a little less than he has been in terms of volume, the past the past few weeks. But over the next two weeks, we will be looking into Bell and evalu- reevaluate him on the show. See, I'm the complete opposite of you. We, we both know what Le'Veon Bell can do. We saw him in Pittsburgh. We saw him in Michigan State. Maybe not so good at the Jets, but we know what Adam Gase is. We a know, horrible coach. Exactly. We know he's a good Good running back. I think that Le'Veon Bell is going to get five-plus more carries than Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Williams this this coming week. I mean, when you look at who they're playing against, they're playing a Denver defense who's given up 116 rushing yards to Derrick Henry and 106 rushing yards to James Conner. Both top 15 running backs, and then you have Derrick Henry a top three. In the games, in the other two games, he played against a Patriots defense who have five running backs on the team. They have no idea what they're doing. And then the Jets, they also played against, which Le'Veon didn't play that game because he was on IR. I expect Andy Reid to want to see what Le'Veon Bell can do this week to see if he's going to be incorporated into their offense later down the road. If Le'Veon Bell does well this week, I would expect him to take over the running back one position over Clyde Rizalaire, and you would see, and you should trade for him. I Depending on this week alone, Le'Veon Bell will become a running back one position running back. I think you. I think if you have Clyde Rizalaire, you start to get scared in the later futures on what he's going to do, as in share-wise, but he's really good. And breaking, breaking news, we just had Antonio Brown uh, sign a one-year deal to the Buccaneers. 
So just just because he got signed a minute ago, we're going to talk about it. We're going to touch on that in just a moment, but I just want to continue with Le'Veon Bell at this point. Bell, he's been injured. I mean, I just don't see him having such a big impact this week. Let's see. Le'Veon Bell. I mean, just... That ankle injury. He missed weeks two, three, and four on the injured reserve. Week one, six carries for 14 yards. I feel like... I feel like if he can't get the volume that you're looking for on his own team as the starting running back... On the Jets. On the Jets. Just let that sink in, in, in for a second. On the... Jets. Isaiah Crowell was a top 20 running back on the Jets. <laughs> I mean... Um, who, what team is he on now? He's the reigning, the, the reigning Super Bowl champion, oh, Kansas City Le'Veon Chiefs. Le'Veon Bell, yes. Le'Veon Bell. And what Ooh. coach do they have? Andy Reid. And, exactly. Andy Reid. What, what better of a duo to give to Le'Veon Bell? They're going to incorporate him more. They're going to see what he can do. And if he does do what I projected him to do... He will become the starting running back next week for the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, agree to disagree. Okay. First, we're going to move on to our first ever player versus player segment. Oof, I've been waiting for this. These will be the for the week version of this. So we're going to do a for the week and for the year. The for the year ones, we will be looking to update and maybe introduce some new ones as the year goes on. Players get hurt. Maybe get some uh, some new fresh faces exploding into the spotlight yep. for the fantasy football season. First up, I'm going to introduce them. Antonio, I'm going to want to hear your comments on these players. Okay. Got Ronald Jones. Jones is currently... Running back 13. Running back 13. And Todd Gurley is running back... 14. 14. Yep. So these are both running backs that are 100% a must-start every week. I mean, Ronald Jones at the beginning of the year was kind of... We didn't know what he was going to do, especially since Leonard Fournette signed with the Bucks this past offseason. Yes. But I think that's kind of out of the question now. Ronald Jones definitely running back to even a flex position to start. I don't see much coming from Leonard Fournette in the near future. But when I look at Todd Gurley, I... It's Todd Gurley. 25 points against Carolina, 19 against Green Bay, 15 against Chicago, and 13 against Seattle. All games where he had one or more touchdowns. With 14, 16, 14, and 14 carries. When you look at his, what he's being dealt to him, it's quite a lot. To struggling Matt Ryan this year, he's getting a lot of the workload. Last week against Minnesota, he had 20 carries on 47 rushing yards. Now, granted, it was a sling fest for Matt Ryan. They did get back Julio. It was against a Minnesota defense that is kind of starting to improve in the rushing game. Not not too much. But I'd say I'd start Todd Gurley this week. If you have both Ronald Jones and Todd Gurley on your team, which I know a lot of people do, I'd definitely say start Todd Gurley. I like him in this matchup this week. So... Looking at these two players, I'm actually going to disagree with you. I think that Ronald Jones, he's just on too much of an upward trend to not start over Todd Gurley. 
I mean, the first three weeks, 10.2 points for Jones, 10.7 points, 9.3. That was on 17 carries, 7 carries, and 13 carries. So about, about 12 to 13 carries a game, averaging about 10 points a game, which is... It's not even solid no. numbers. That is not sustainable at the 8-10 to 10 to 12-man fantasy league echelon that we see so many people participating in. It's just not sustainable. The last three weeks, 20 carries for 111 yards, 17 carries for 106 yards, 23 carries for 113 yards. That... That is the Ronald Jones we like to see. A guy who is consistently carrying the rock for over 100 yards. Even when he's not scoring touchdowns, he is still fantasy relevant in the last three weeks. That is just something I cannot ignore. Yeah, and I think I think the main reason why I picked Todd Gurley this week over Ronald Jones is, is clearly their matchup. Ronald Jones and the Bucks go up against the Raiders this week. And then Todd Gurley goes against a struggling Detroit defense. When the Kansas City Chiefs and Clyde Edwards-Alaire played the Raiders, he had 10 carries for 40 rushing points, 11 fantasy points with 3 receptions for 40 for forty yards. I mean, that's that's really nothing. Right, it, that's, not, that's not a very no, good it's line. No, not, not at all. It was really a sling fest for that game. Granted that there were some points that the Raiders were beating the Chiefs, so Clyde Edwards-Alaire really wasn't looked at, but I mean to be in that spot for the Raiders defensively against the Chiefs, I don't see a lot running for the Bucks this week. I really see a lot of throwing, a lot of offense, quick offense from Tom Brady, a lot of short passing routes to Mike Evans, to Chris Godwin. He's really starting to incorporate Gronk, one of his favorite tight ends of all time, into his offense. So I really see. Ronald Jones not doing much here, and Todd Gurley thriving off a washed-up Detroit defense. Granted, they didn't just win last week against Jacksonville, who is, who is a bummy, bummy, play, bummy team, but I see Todd Gurley thriving this week. Okay, next up, our second running back duo of the day. We have Kenyon Drake and David Johnson. What do you think they're going to do this week, Tony? I really am leaning my eyes eyes towards David Johnson this week against Green Bay. We saw what Clyde, we saw what Ronald Jones did last week against Green Bay. Twenty three carries, hundred thirteen rushing yards, two touchdowns, twenty six point one fantasy points. Dude was amazing. I mean, David Johnson still hasn't been that David Johnson he was when he was on the Cardinals, but with the secondary like Green Bay has. I would say David Johnson is going to outshadow Kenny Drake by a long shot. I, I don't even want to get into Kenny Drake and who he is as a player because I think he's not as good ever. I, I didn't draft him in any of my leagues and for a reason. Last week, 20 carries, 164 rushing yards, 28.4 fantasy points. He got his two tu- he got his one touchdown that was 64-plus yards on garbage time against third, fourth-string Dallas defensive players. Their defense is atrocious. I'm not surprised. Kyler Murray then goes for almost a touchdown rush, but hands it off to Kenyon Drake for one-yard touchdown. I see Kenyon Drake not doing much against Seattle. I see Slingfest. I take David Johnson this week. 
I would totally agree. I mean, Drake... Drake has just been a whole other level of inconsistent. Yeah. I mean, David Johnson... David Johnson has been disappointing. But he's but, 10 plus a week. But 19, 7, 12, 11, 12, 13. Yes, that's, that's so very subpar from the David Johnson we know. But almost all of those are within are within a decent number for a flex consideration. If I'm getting 13 to 12 points a week for my flex, I'm not going to be too upset. But Kenyon Drake, yes, he's got a 30-point a week, but he's got a 3-point week and a 9-point week and an 11-point week. And that's even with getting 16 carries and 20 carries and 18 and 18 and 20. And I just don't see the value in Kenyon Drake. If if I had him on my team, which thankfully I did not draft him in a single league. I stayed yeah. away from Kenyon Drake, as yeah. did Tony. Yeah. We knew we knew he wasn't going to be good. And we've been talking about it for quite a while. over a month now yeah. and he just hasn't panned out. He's had a good week. This is a chance to sell high. I know that's for the future, but for this week definitely would start David Johnson over Kenyon Drake. And I'm a, I'm a diehard Miami Dolphins fan. And Kenyon Drake was on the Dolphins for a long time. And dude was not even fancy relevant. I dropped him week two of last year. And he was gone from my team. And thank God. The only time he did anything was when he first got introduced on the Cardinals. And he was putting up 30 fancy points, 40 fancy points, four, four touchdown games, two touchdown games, two touchdown games. But since they have D-Hop now, and since Christian Kirk is starting to play into this role... On offense with Danny Isabella, I see Kenny Drake not doing much this week. Next up, got a wide receiver duo. Tony, who do you think is going to be better this week? Juju Smith-Schuster or DJ Chark? I think this is a clear and obvious one. I have Juju against Tennessee. Tennessee's defense is great. They've they've been subpar and above par, mid, above mid. But I think... When it comes to Big Ben and Juju, I think they've had a connection for such a long time that you see Juju really thriving in this game. I could honestly see him getting 100-plus receptions with two touchdowns. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a sling fest between both Ryan Tannehill and Big Ben. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Derrick Henry is a great running back, and I, I think he gets a lot of time, but I don't think he's going to have clearly as much uh, points as he did last week against Houston has 40 fantasy points. But I mean, really looking at DJ Chark and Garner Minshew and that Jacksonville offense, it's not working quite well. I mean, we just saw Keenan Cole last week do a lot. And I mean, they have the rookie uh, Chanel Jr. And I mean, a couple people have him in the league. But really, DJ Chark has not been doing good this, this year. I'd see Juju as the clear option this week. So here's the thing about this. This that makes it so tough for me. I don't like either of them. Uh, yeah, not, I did not, not draft either. Juju Smith-Schuster in a single league. Same. And I traded in a trade. I got DJ Chark in one league. By the time he had been on my team for eight hours, I had already traded him. Yep. And Chark, gonna... he's got one week of thirty points. Besides that, eleven, eleven, twelve, five. Mm-hmm. Horrible. It's just not good enough for, for Chark. And Juju Smith-Schuster. 
He's got a 25 week. He does have a 16 week. He does. 11, 7, 2. It feels like he's been getting worse as the season's gone on. And one thing I just cannot ignore, as you mentioned about Keelan Cole and DJ Chark, Chase Claypool. I'm going to talk about him a little more in a, in a moment. But Chase Claypool overtook Juju Smith-Schuster last week in snaps played. He overtook every wide receiver he did. on that team in snaps played. Yeah. And right now, Claypool is, is averaging almost five points more a game in fantasy than Juju. And so, while I will take Juju over Chark this week really wouldn't want any of them basically taking juju off of the favorable matchup yeah now just hoping hoping and praying that he has a good week now when it comes to would you rather have juju or claypool as a starting roster as a either a right receiver two or flex position going just down the road who would i rather have the rest of the season this week this week this week i'm not looking at down the road i I would rather have chase claypool this week that's, that's so heartbreaking. I mean, Adoree Jackson is is their slot corner. Yeah. And he's out. But I think they're going to focus more on Juju Smith-Schuster. And I think they're going to really? bring one of their corners from the outside. They're going to bring him inside and guard Juju. I'm looking at the opposite here. And I think they're both going to do well, but I will take Claypool just slightly. I think that... Because of, because of his running. He has, he has two rushing touchdowns this year. They have gone to him in the last couple weeks. Six carries. Six carries as a wide receiver. That's just touches that Juju is just not getting. He's not getting that many touches. Well, I think that Claypool is getting a lot of touches from the running back position, and it's mostly in the red zone. It's mostly stuff that's unpredictable that the opposing defense is not even aware of. So I right, think they're it's caught off guard. They're caught off guard. So I think it's really more of just a sudden let's Look at this new player we have, Chase Claypool. He's a rookie. Let's look at the new tactics we can have on the offense. But I think with what Claypool has been doing these past two weeks, that he's going to get double teamed, double covered, just like Darren Waller was when when he played the Patriots. And I would expect Juju to have a monster game against the Tennessee Titans. Okay. Moving on. Got a quarterback duo trending in the opposite direction. Got Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan. What do you think, Tony? Uh, it's really just the matchup here. I mean, they're both great quarterbacks. I'm not going to deny that. Top top ten fantasy quarterbacks each week you play them, but really it's just the matchup. Houston defense wasn't really good last last week against Tennessee Titans, but a lot of those scores were Derrick Henry. It was Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry. Right. Granted, he had that 94 yarder. Exactly. For those who may forget, he had a 94 yard rushing touchdown. And almost had a 65-yard reception out of the backfield for a touchdown, which, while it's not a running play, it's yep. covering the running back. It's it's a similar play. Yes. Granted, I'm not saying Ryan Tannehill was bad in that game. 30 for 41, 366 yard, total yards of offense, four touchdowns. Even though he had an int and a fumble, still came out with 28 fantasy points. But I think it's really, like I said, the matchup here. Matt Ryan against the Detroit Lions with a struggling defense. I think it's an easy choice of Matt Ryan this week. Matt Ryan is playing a 
banged up Lions defense. Yep. They lost Slay over the offseason, signed Desmond Trufant. He's now injured. They're now playing Oruwarie <laughs> and Jeff Okuda, their number three pick. While Oruwarie has thrived, Okuda has struggled, and they basically have to guard two top ten fantasy wide receivers in Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. And I think whoever doesn't cover, doesn't get covered by one of them is going to explode this week. I think Oruwarie being a bit on the taller side, a bit lankier, he'll end up covering Jones. Yep. And Ryan will just go after it with Calvin Ridley. And I, I really think Matt Ryan will win the week over Aaron Rodgers. I agree. Totally. Finally, had a bit of a wild card. Went with a three-man wide receiver trio to debate because they're just so close. They've yeah. had such similar similar stat lines, but such different ways of doing it. Those three players, Chase Claypool, who we talked about a moment ago, Mike Evans, and Terry McLaurin. What are your thoughts, Tony? This is easy. Mike Evans. I mean, I've said this countless times to you and to other people in all of our leagues. Chase Claypool is a one and done. He's had two good weeks, and that's it. People still forget. People still forget that James Conner is there, Juju is there, Eric Ebron is there. I get the dude has, drops a lot of passes, but he's still a good tight end. But really, Mike Evans and Tom Brady, ugh, I don't, I don't see reason why, especially for the matchup this week against the Raiders. I think it's gonna be a shootout. Look at Evans and Godwin to be outstanding this week, especially with Gronk. It's a clear choice of Evans, and I don't even want to talk about McLaurin. Anything, anybody on the Washington offense is is a must, not start for me. He's a must trade, trade for low, trade for free agent money. I don't care. Anybody on the Washington offense is not on my team for a reason. Interesting, interesting. What the viewers do not know is I'm in a bit of a predicament this week. <laughs> that this pertains to as Chase Claypool and Mike Evans are both oh. vying for my flex spot. Yeah. Currently, they're projected a similar number of points. They have a similar number on the season. They actually both have six touchdowns. Excuse me. Claypool has five. Evans has six touchdowns. But... They both seem like guys who have really relied on touchdowns to get them a lot of points, as well as big plays. Not really high-volume weeks for either of them so far. I know Claypool did have the 7 for 110, but other than that, he's had target games of 2 targets, 3 targets, 4 targets, and 4 targets, with the 11-target game in Week 5 being the outlier. With that being said... I want to ask you a question really quick. When it regards to Claypool and Evans. Because McClellan's not even this question. This is really just for you and your flex spot. Who is a more reliable player, no matter what team they play against, to get you the guaranteed points this week? Who, who would you say is more reliable? I don't care who they're playing against. He's starting on my team. Now, here's the thing. Last week, Mike Evans, one catch... 
10 yards, two targets. I can't ignore that. The week before that, he had nine targets, only five catches for 41 yards and a touchdown. His his week was salvaged by that touchdown. It was. But is that? Week one, one catch for two yards at a touchdown, salvaged his week. Week three, two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. I can't ignore these low target, high touchdown weeks. There's no way it's sustainable. Week one, score a touchdown on four targets. You just can't score this many touchdowns down the stretch, and I think it's starting to show. Because this week, you would have thought, oh, one catch, probably score a touchdown, get eight points. Yeah, it's not great, but maybe get some other players to do well, and and you can pull out the win. I feel like Claypool, especially in a flex or wide receiver two spot, sitting behind a more consistent receiver on your team, maybe a, a DeAndre Hopkins, a, a, a Jamison Crowder if you're in a deeper league, maybe a, a Calvin Ridley, or even or even CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb has been extremely consistent yes. this year. Claypool is just that, that boom that boom or or semi bust guy that I that I look for. And for that reason I would start Claypool. Which is why I think Claypool is the best out of these three for this week. And I mean, Especially against a Tennessee yeah. defense that has given up the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers. I see I see the route you're going here, but really to me it's looking at what Evans has done in the past. Brady is new to this team. He has a lot of weapons around him. Give him time. And I think this week alone, going against the Raiders, who beat the Kansas City Chiefs, let me let me say that again, the Kansas City Chiefs in a great game, low defense, high offense game, I think Mike Evans and Tom Brady are really going to start to connect here. And I get, I get Chase Claypool is a rookie, but really Mike Evans... He's Mike Evans. We know what he can do. We've seen the man last year. He's a monster when he get gets the ball thrown to him, and it's a great coverage. I think the easy choice for me, personally, is Mike Evans. Okay, now we're going to move on to player versus player for the future. First up, take a look at Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And a big surprise for this year... Mike Davis. To me, I feel like you have to go with Edwards Alaire here. Edwards Alaire has established himself as the main man in that backfield. Yes, there are some questions about how he's going to do for the rest of the season. But as as you heard earlier, I think Edwards Alaire will maintain the first string status in his own backfield. Whereas, they're paying McCaffrey way too much money to give Mike Evans, Mike Evans, excuse me, Mike Davis, Davis, a considerable enough number of carries to be as good as Clyde Edwards-Elair. Yeah. I mean, Mike Davis, Mike Davis has been very solid. Mike Davis has been a good player this week, this week, this year, this year. Excuse me, but. I just can't see him being better than, than Edwards Alaire. And for that reason, I'm I'm gonna have to go with Clyde here. And I, I agree with you here. It, it's a shocker. I don't usually agree with you, 
But I think this is one of the times where I 100% agree with you. Clyde Erzolaire this past year has been amazing, especially as a rookie who we all know he's going to do something this year, especially coming out of LSU and especially getting, getting into this Andy Reid offense. We knew he was going to do something, but just what was unsure. Fantasy-wise, he's been amazing. Mike Davis has, has been better, but also CMC is not there. And when CMC was there, he was the number one targeted player for that offense behind any quarterback, given Kyle Allen, or even in the first two weeks with Teddy Bridgewater. I think when Mike Davis, when, when Christian McCaffrey comes back on this t- team, Mike Davis is a no-show. I honestly think Mike Davis is a no-show. It's CMC we're talking about. Number one draft pick in 95.6% of leagues. Chris, Chris, yes, I know. I looked that up. 95.6% of leagues, Christian McCaffrey was the number one pick. Wow. Exactly. I think when you're paying McCaffrey that much money, you have to start him. And you have to give him the playing time. Now, Mike Davis has been doing what he's needed done. And he's doing it better. But when it comes to Chris... When it comes to Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus Le'Veon Bell, and I said this in my previous segment, Le'Veon Bell is going to outperform Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But long-term, especially when Christian McCaffrey comes back, I'd still rather have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even if he's the running back one or running back two on the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, to give our uh, our fans who are, are interested in more deeper leagues and uh, some, some lower-tier lower players, maybe some wide receiver threes, depending on how you guys construct your rosters. Uh, some some flex positions. We've got a couple of guys who, young guys, had very different seasons so far. So first up, Christian Kirk. Mm. And second, T. Higgins. Oof. Now, I think this is a very tough call. I do too. While Kirk... Yeah. Kirk had a great week last week. Two catches for 86 yards and two touchdowns. But I don't think his production is sustainable. Neither do I. Five targets. Four targets, five targets, seven targets, three targets. Yep. It's just not enough production. T. T Higgins, on the other hand, while he had a big fat donut <laughs> in game one against the Chargers. Zeros on zeros. Zeros. On zeros, on, on zeros. zeros. Six targets, nine targets, seven targets, eight targets, eight targets. The highest target game for Christian Kirk of the season is lower than three of T. Higgins' games. In the last four weeks, 21 points, 13, 10, 18. I think T. Higgins has established himself in that offense he has earned the trust of Joe Burrow, and he will be the better wide receiver going forward, especially if you're in some sort of dynasty or high number of keeper league. Yep. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, this is, a, this is a no-brainer for me. I mean, Joe Burrow, granted, he is a rookie. But what he's been doing on this Cincinnati Bengals offense and looking last week when they played against the, top, the number two uh, fantasy defense in the Indianapolis Colts going up 21-0 to zero in the first half. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. Like you said, five catches, four catches, four catches, six catches, 
for T. Higgins. But, I mean, it's really the target share in the amount of yards he's getting. When he did his lowest, his second lowest receiving game, five catches, 40 yards, was against Philadelphia. But he had two touchdowns, 21 fantasy points. That's great. And especially then against Jacksonville, 77 yards, seven targets, 13 points. I just think he's a more reliable player going forward through the entire year than Christian Kirk against a D-hop-oriented, a Kenyon Drake-oriented, even Kyler Murray-oriented offense. I see Christian Kirk kind of starting to decline. He had that one good game last week against Dallas. We all know Dallas. Can't say much about Dallas. But I think T. Higgins is the easy pick going down the road, especially in those deeper leagues, like 20-man leagues, and I have them in one of mine, and there's a reason for that. Okay, and finally, Tony, you have a hot take. This is our hot take of the week. This is uh, this is something that I'm really, really strong about when it comes to a player that is on the Minnesota Vikings team in Justin Jefferson. Now, Tony, just want to preface this by saying... Tony has been telling this to anyone who will talk fantasy. I mean, with anyone. Him. Anybody. Anyone. anyone at all. Yep. I think Justin Jefferson will not sustain his seven, his top seven, top ten wide receiver numbers throughout the entire year. He will decline. Decline. He's going to finish. I have him as wide receiver number 21 on the year. So I, I see him in a top 25 wide receiver. Now, as a rookie. That's amazing. The games that he went off were against teams that were subpar in the secondary. Tennessee, Houston, and Atlanta. Tennessee, 7 for 175, 30 fantasy points. Houston, 4 catches, 113 yards, 14 fantasy points. Atlanta, 9 for 166, 2 touchdown game, 39.6 fantasy points. The games, it's, it's boom or bust for him, really. That's, that's what I'm trying to say here. And the other three games... That he's played against. He's accumulated only 93 yards. On 11.6 yards per pass. Almost twice as bad as the other three games. When you look at his next three matchups. Green Bay, Detroit, Chicago. I really only see him in one of those games. That's against Detroit. Green Bay when he played against them at the beginning of the year. He didn't look as good as he is, did in the other games. Chicago. Their secondary is getting a lot better. Especially when they play against Tampa Bay. I mean Brady really can do anything in the year. But I think Justin Jefferson, when you look at him, you look at the team that he's on, and you look at Kirk Cousins and what he did last week to an Atlanta defense who started off terrible. I mean, the dude just couldn't connect for anything. I get it. They're on a bye. Dalvin Cook was out. They had Alexander Madison, who didn't do anything. But I mean, Justin Jefferson is a rookie. He has Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. I don't see him to do much as the year progresses. So, just want to say to you all listening, thank you so much for joining us for our first episode yes. of the Fantasy Fanatics Podcast. Thank you so much. Hopefully, you'll join us next Friday as we recap this week. We've been a Thursday night football. Look ahead to next week. Have a wonderful day.